0: Cho. And I'm Britt. Today we're covering one of our favorite topics, Dead Dove, Do Not Eat, and Queer Darkfic. We'll first start off with an example of Darkfic, which will be Rei Ray, um, Ono's Beautiful Flowers Have Thorns Dojinchi, published in English by Rotten Blossoms. We actually had a discussion with Rotten Blossom CEO Beverly Maynard about this title in early October, um, though Britt unfortunately wasn't able to make it. It was a fascinating book talk. Um, We had an open conversation with other BL fans, not only about this title, but also about the concept of dark elements in BL in general. Naturally, it seemed like the perfect case study of the allure of dark fiction in queer genres like BL.
1: So, the official summary of Beautiful Flowers of Thorns is... Yoshioka is worn down. He wakes up, goes to work, comes home, sleeps, rinse, and repeat. Ultimately, it leads him to passing out, which lets him meet his beautiful next-door neighbor, Keito Manazuki, also known as Kei. Having made the worst first impression, Yoshioka gives in when Kei offers to start cooking for him. He establishes a new norm that includes going to Kei's place for a meal every evening. Unfortunately, Yoshioka doesn't realize this is all part of Kei's plan. So, the Rotten Blossoms catalog warns that this title contains sex under the influence fingering blowjobs omurashi and
0: most importantly that this is not a
1: healthy relationship
0: thank god for rotten blossoms warnings or enticements depending on who you are in addition to beautiful flowers we will also be discussing other dark and potentially disturbing fictional concepts so if you are not comfortable with that please leave now we have tons of other great episodes for you to enjoy here on the 801 without having to listen to this one excited about this i've been waiting for this episode so we discussed during the book talk that the reason beautiful flowers have thorns feels so refreshing is that it's dark while knowing it's dark you have a beautiful gat Moe stalker who meticulously plans the sexual assaults of the salary man he's interested in he knows it's wrong but he just doesn't care and this is markedly different from the usual oh it's not wrong because i love him so much and mm-hmm. i just can't help myself bit you get from bl Sime of your and honestly some of today and this is classic dead dove did knowing the darkness about what was to come affect your reading at all?
1: Uh, definitely not. Um, I mean, there's, for me, and this is personal, uh, there's very few things that that squick me in fiction. And even those themes that, you know, might, um, if the story is interesting enough, then I'll just plow through it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, this manga was fairly tame when it comes to Dead Dove, at least in my opinion. Yeah.
0: So for me, um, I knew what was happening because of the content warnings, but still like the how the lead up um, to it all was took me by surprise because, you know, you don't really get that impression from Kay and I I knew what was going to happen. I knew like, well, this is not a healthy relationship and sex on influence. I was like, well, okay, that can mean anything. Uh, But by the time I actually got to like the reveal, I was like, I knew this was going to be dark and yet I'm still surprised. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like if I would have gone into this with like no idea what was happening, it probably would have negatively impacted how I interact with it. That's just how I am with Dark Thick. Like, give me the proper tags, and then I'll be like into it. But like, just throw it at me. And I'm like, well, now I feel kind of cheated. But for this, I'm like, (laughs) okay, I know it was gonna happen. I still took by surprise, but still thoroughly enjoyed myself
1: yeah, I would say I agree at being kind of surprised as, you know, going into it. Yeah, you knew it was going to be dark, but you you don't get that at first. And it kind of just hits you and you're like, oh, I see.
0: So Rei Ono-sensei reveals a number of illuminating facts about the story in the author's notes section at the end. For one, she says she considered the use of drugging in the story, but ultimately decided that it was a step too far in the psychopath lane, to quote the note. Do you agree with that assessment? Had Kay drugged Yoshioka rather than just taking advantage of him in his drunk state, would that have affected your enjoyment of the story for better or worse?
1: I mean, I would say it would have earned a point for being a, you know, a little bit darker if it did. But really when it comes down to it, drugs or alcohol, I mean, you're still inebriated. And your ability to give mm-hmm. legit consent is uh, very minimal at best. Um, so I think drugs being used would probably have gotten my attention a little bit more. It would have been less expected and therefore for me more exciting
0: <laughs> i get that perspective from mine i actually probably would have been a little bit more turned off had he drugged him not because like that's worse or anything but because by having yoshioka like drink himself into a stupor it then can be seen as well kind of plausible deniability like you did this to yourself Maybe it's your fault that this happened to you. Whereas if K had actively drugged him, then, well, that's all the responsibility on K. I really like the psychological aspect of, well, maybe it's my fault that, you know, I got drunk around this guy. And it leaves a little bit more wiggle room, I think, for K to still, like, get himself into Yoshioka's life. I like my dark figure with a lot of, like, psychological manipulation. So that's why it would have affected me. But, yeah. Speaking of all of that, um, this title features rape, manipulation, and other dirty, bad, wrong stuff. And BL has long had a negative reputation for romanticizing rape. Do you think this is true? And is there a space for this kind of content in BL?
1: Uh, Definitely would agree there's been a long trend of, you know, non-con slash rape in BL over the last decade or so and longer. And, you know, I can't deny that they they definitely do try to romanticize it to some Mm -hmm. degree, but because it's such a problematic trope, it gets, you know, a lot of attention, even though it's, I would say, you know, not the majority of what, you know, a BL that's out mm-hmm. there. So I think BL gets a lot of undeserved flack uh, when there was, you know, you can, there's so much fluff yeah. out there, to be honest. Um, but you know, people like controversy and so they needed something to grab onto. So I think that's where that comes from. Um, but there is, there is definitely space for it. Um, I mean, it, it bottom line is it's fantasy. It Mm -hmm. is fantasy, and, you know, if mangaka want to write it, um, it's because they like it, and, you know, people are buying it, so clearly there is a market for it.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Um, In my experience, people tend to take extreme sides on this. It's either, all BL is rapey, heteronormative bullshit, and we should just do away with it, or BL is a bastion of feminism, and everything subversive is good. And I think we at BL Garden do a good job of adding nuance to that conversation. Like, we know the rate of sexual violence in BL is greatly exaggerated from our own research into it, um, but we also mm-hmm. know that it's not non-existent. Like, t- titles like Beautiful Flowers Have Thorns, um, that include sexual violence as a central point between the two leads, but call it what it is, um, is rare, uh, in English published titles anyway, when we do see sexual violence featured. And the BL yore was chock full of it, but there's less of it nowadays as the genre broadens. I mean, you still get it, though um, it's not just like everything you see. And I think the reason we thought that it was so prominent in the genre is that we had so little BL available to us. And the ones that stuck out were the ones that were the most controversial, like you said. I do think that there is place for dark things like that in BL. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this, well, a lot about this a little bit later in the episode, but the push to sanitize queer genres is a big pet peeve of mine. And BL is a queer genre, whether you like it or not. And I say that the answer here is more BL and not, you know, more censorship. And the more BL that we get published in English and the more variety we get, I think we'll find that that whole adage of, oh, all BL is rapey or the majority of BL is rapey will go away. But even still, I wouldn't want it to all go away because, like Britt mentioned, it is a fantasy genre. And sometimes you don't want like fluffy two dads um, raising a son together in the world eating dinner together kind of be all sometimes you want something dark and subversive like beautiful flowers and that's totally okay too so rotten blossoms includes direct descriptive tags and warnings for each title including this one and there's been an ongoing debate in traditional publishing circles on whether or not content warnings should be included for works do you have an opinion on this you know i
1: i kind of would be really i would i'd be fine with that um you know, because there's people that do have legit triggers and they don't want to read that. So it makes it uh, much easier for them to pick and choose what something, or basically what kind of media is right for mm-hmm. them. Um, and then you have people, you know, like me, uh, who love those problematic mm-hmm. tropes um, and tags. Um, and it makes it easier for me to find them quicker. So, <laughs> which I appreciate. So I think it might uh, help when it comes to reviews actually um so if you have a book review manga review whatever because i always found it uh really annoying when I'm, I'm looking up something you know if i want something new to read and you'll see this you know negative review and it's only because they just didn't expect that there was this one trope mm-hmm. that you know happened to trigger them even though the rest of the book is fine yeah. but they're like well i didn't like this one <laughs> thing so it's got a you know a one star you know so i think having them um is definitely uh, helpful Overall.
0: I totally agree. And I like what you said about like, the tags, not just being for like avoiding it, but actively finding it. Like there's been a like a debate about whether BL should even be a, a genre if it just should be shelved as romance, because, you know, a romance between two men is no difference between romance between a man and a woman and like, yeah, that's all well and good. But I can't find BL as easily if it's all mixed together in romance, because heterosexual romance is going to outnumber BL, like greatly, no matter where you go. So Yeah. Being able to find it, those enticements, rather than just like warnings, totally good to have. On the other hand, having a contextless like rape uh, tag on something may do more harm than good because, you know, it just says rape or it just says, you know, sex under the influence and there's no context to go along with it. If it's like a, a standardized practice and someone may be warned off reading something, um, just because they understand like, Oh, that rape th- or child rape that's mentioned is actually something that happens off off page, you know, from the character's past. It's not dwelled upon. It's just a part of him, but it's, we wanted to include the trigger. Yeah. I am up to mind to that, but ultimately I'm like, yeah, more tags. People who want to find it will be able to find it easier. And people want to avoid those things will also be able to avoid them easier. Now we're going to move on to the general dead dove questions. Um, so, we're not talking specifically about Ray Ono's work in this. We're going to be talking generally about Darkfic, Dead Dove, and how that ties into both BL slash and MM Romance content.
1: I have so many capital O opinions about this.
0: I cannot wait to hear those because I also have (laughs) a lot of capital O opinions. Good, good. So as defined by fan lore, the dead dove do not eat tag refers to a warning that a fan work contains tropes or elements that may be deemed morally reprehensible without explicitly condemning the sensitive aspects. It originates from the season one episode of the sitcom Arrested Development, where Michael Bluth pulls a paper bag out of the fridge that has dead dove do not eat tape to it. Michael opens the bag and, of course, finds a dead dove. His reaction is, I don't know what I expected. Dead dove is considered a kind of subcategory of dark fic, which is a little harder to define as it means different things to different people. So what do you personally consider to be dark fic or dead dove?
1: Uh, Well, first off, uh, I think that the term is very subjective from person to person, Mm -hmm. Uh, just because of, you know, cultural norms, um, if you want to think about it. in an anthropological or social science way. Um, But my opinion uh, would be that the content kind of, it's something that blurs the line or just completely crosses the line into what most people would consider quote-unquote taboo. Mm. Uh, So, you know, anything that might be a morally gray area or completely reprehensible to, you know, your average Joe on the street, you know, things like cannibalism, you know, torture Mm -hmm. mental or physical... Uh, the lack of or refusal uh, to use, you know, safe words um, in sexual situations or, you know, murder is a good one. That's very popular. Uh, non-consensual sexual slavery, incest, monster fucking psychological torture. I could go on, um, <laughs> really. Uh, um, or, you know, or to put it in a very, very simple terms, if it's, you know, something that you're reading that makes you say, wow, that's fucked up. You know, <laughs> it, it might just fall under dead dove.
0: That's a good way to, a good rule of thumb. Like, wow, that's (laughs) fucked up. Yeah, that's Dead Dove. Dark fic as a term also has been getting some debate. Like, um, dark fic is supposed to be considered fiction with dark themes, but dark themes could mean anything from like all hurt, no comfort, wump fic, major character death to Omegaverse. Um, I think there's a tendency nowadays to view dark fic as being like just a general term, whereas Dead Dove is more tied to like kinky stuff. Uh, And Honestly, I fall into that trap kind of because when I think of dark fic, I want to say like, oh, you know, it's two brothers fucking, that's dark fic. But at the same time, you have things with dark themes that aren't dark in tone. Like I read, um, I may be your big brother, but I want you to be sweet on me, uh, from Renta. And it's about two guys who are brothers and their sexual relationship and incest is a dark theme. But the story itself is actually pretty fluffy. It's comedic. The tone isn't dark, but the content is. So I think that kind of like cognitive dissonance causes a lot of the, the trouble when you're trying to like define it or, or like put fix into one or the other. The Dead Dove tag uh, is relatively newer. Uh, I mostly saw it used with Hydra Trash Party Fix in the MCU in like 2012, 2013. Um, if it work as a dead dove tag, I know it's going to be some kinky shit. Like no one puts dead dove on things just because someone died. Someone's going to die and it's going to be like in a very sexy way, I think. <laughs> so yeah. that's how I, I distinguish them. What draws you personally to dead dove content? Because we just listed off a bunch of like tags that could like go into that. So what draws you specifically to that kind of theme?
1: Um, You know, I asked myself this uh, a few times, Um, uh, mainly because, you know, my friends actually will kind of make jokes about uh, my, my love for things that would be taboo or dead dove, because I don't really, I don't really make it a secret to people that are close to me, um, you know, but I think it comes down to something probably psychological for me, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated, and it's really not always easy for me to explain to somebody, but, you know, when it comes to fiction, you know, I, I personally, I very much know that it is not real, and that has never been a question for me, Mm -hmm. um, You know, so I guess in a way it's, you know, it could be considered, I guess, safe. Yeah. It's a way for me to explore darker themes without really having to be afraid of, you know, the very real and very fucked up situations that you you find, you know, in the real world, Mm -hmm. basically. And I have always been drawn to problematic characters, I guess is the best way (laughs) to put it. Even the most, you know, evil in fiction, you know, they, they tend to be my favorite, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> they really are, because they're interesting. Uh, and the reason being is, I you know, I really, I want to get inside their head. Mm. Why do they do what they do? What makes the character feel that, that their actions that they take are acceptable? Mm. Is it a nature versus, you know, nurture situation? Well, you know, what makes them tick, basically? I'll be honest, you know, there there's also a sexual aspect to it for me. And first, again, let me preface that I don't find the horrific choices that some characters might make, uh, you know, cannibalism, rape, murder, whatever, uh, to be sexy at all. Mm. It's not sexy. It's it's just not. Uh, I'm quite the opposite on on that. Um, But there are some things that really just flat out squick me on a personal level, level, um, you know, like using the term daddy (laughs) (laughs) because of whatever trauma I had as a kid. (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, I'm not really big into Omurashi personally. And that's fine. Um, but, like, you take something like, uh, you know, non-con or rape, which is a really common, you know, taboo trope. There's, there's something about giving up power to someone else. And I find it really, really hot as hell. Because um, that's, you know, the complete opposite of my personality, you know, in real life. And so there is that, again, there's that sexual thing for me. And that's, you know, that a lot of people have that you know they just don't always want to talk about it and i think that connection is you know pretty common for a lot of fans that enjoy dead dove and there there is something there that appeals to them either sexually or not that that just clicks with their brains and you know i i don't know the science behind it but mm-hmm. i'm i'm sure there's been you know many papers written about it that i don't have that info at this time
0: perfectly said honestly fiction is supposed to be a playground for us and if we only engage in fiction in a way that well it would uh, reflect in reality that's really no way to play at all when i was playing with dolls growing up i of course i tried to make them mimic things people do in real life but i also made them murder each other because that's exciting and drama's fun did that mean that i was going to grow up to be a murderer well i haven't yet uh but... or have you oh god but I think of it as like, you know, when you play Grand Theft Auto, like it's fun to just like be lawless for a while. You would never drive down, you know, the road at 100 miles an hour shooting people at random. Like you would even just the thought of doing that in real life would probably make you really sad and upset. But doing it in like a world, this little sandbox place where there are no real life consequences just allows you to just have fun and just like purge some feelings and what i um get out of dead dog content is the like the visceral reaction that you get like when i'm reading a story about a a guy who's like being held uh, against his will he's being tortured being tortured and being held against my will that sounds awful and i would hate that for anybody else but in this character it allows me to like look at the psychological aspects of it like how does stockholm syndrome work that's fascinating Mm -hmm. and i view it the same as like if you were reading a tearjerker or watching a sad movie like if aliens with no knowledge of human emotion were to come down and ask why we like watching movies that we know will make us cry, what would we say? I like being sad? No, no one likes being sad, but we like things that can invoke strong emotion out of us. So what do you, what's your particular brand of Dead Dove content?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so I would say, you know, at the beginning of my, my wonderful Dead Dove journey, uh, when I was younger... Uh, I think I would, you know, I started reading a lot of, I guess, wump or super angst, you know, non-con death, hard comfort, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I am a fan of having my favorite characters or whatever character uh, suffer (laughs) in order to get their happy or at least bittersweet uh, ending. Um, I've always loved that. I don't, I don't, I, lo- I love them to suffer. <laughs> I don't know what it says about me. I don't, I just like it. Uh, I think it makes it interesting. Um, cause, you know, being human and your know, everyday life, that's actually not that weird. I mean, our, yeah. you know, things aren't, life's not perfect. And I think that's more realistic for me. Those were almost, I guess, like I said, uh, entry level themes. But they did lead me down, uh, the dead dove rabbit hole. And now I have found myself, uh, Looking toward things like more monster fucking, uh, OmegaVerse, mm-hmm. and uh, definitely psychological torture. That's a, that's a big one, uh, and others. I guess um, so that's that's kind of where I go. I don't know. I, I, I there's so much I read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> to be honest, it's I can't really pinpoint. I I try to give most things a chance. If it if there's at least something that um in the description that gets my attention, uh, I I I will I will read it. Um, And I am big on finishing whatever it is I'm reading, even if it's terrible.
0: Nice. That's a valiant (laughs) effort.
1: I get made fun of uh, by my fiance all the time. And she's like, why? You don't (laughs) have to finish it. I'm like, no, I started it. I have to finish this. It's my my personal goal. It's my test.
0: Now I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, Process is definitely my number one. But I also really like Wump. Um, I started reading uh, Wince Magazine, which is an online magazine dedicated completely to Wump. And it has, like, nonfiction articles in there about, like, here's how to make your wumpy suffer and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I never even thought about that for my characters. Nice. Oh, prolonged torture. Cool. And, like, I'm someone who, like, tears up at those ASPCA commercials. Like, I am not a torturer (laughs) at heart. I'm a very sensitive person. But these are fictional characters. They are concepts that we can do with what – as we will – and any sort of significance that they have are the ones that we as individuals put on them. So what I do with them in my sandbox isn't because like, well, I'm a murderer or a torturer or I hate them. It's just because they're my toys and I like playing with them. Transgressive fiction has always been met with opposition, especially queer transgress- transgressive fiction. What do you make of the current hostile climate against queer dark fiction and fandom and the calls to eradicate it from queer spaces?
1: Okay, so, all right. <laughs> First off, There's so much popular media um especially western media uh that would be labeled or is labeled as problematic slash taboo content and and you know what the general population just accepts it and they eat it up Mm -hmm. um a big one right like recently is squid game that's really popular right now it's pretty 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 bad (laughs) uh the saw franchise that keeps making movies Mm -hmm. because people keep going to see them for some (laughs) weird reason um, or you know, Game of Thrones, which had a lot of crazy shit in there that would be considered you know dark, uh, but it was really popular minus that last season. And yet, at that same time, you have things like um, male male, female female books, you know, uh, that that happens to feature psychological torture and rape. Those same people that are eating up that that popular media would find it reprehensible. Mm why, why is that, you know, okay in popular media, but taboo, uh, you know, in other media, that's, you know, less popular. And that's, that's a big question. Um, that's, you know, I find it, I find it really, really frustrating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't necessarily have an answer for that one, but, um, I, you know, as far as, you know, the eradication of queer spaces, you know, I think a lot of the opposition, uh, and push to this this weird like purity and fandom comes from I wanna say I I wanna say younger fans mm-hmm. uh is a big one. Then they just they just don't understand how, you know, how complicated the human brain is. They haven't had that chance to really think about it. Um they're still young. They're still learning, you know, they're still getting through high school or their first years of college, figuring out who they are, so they certainly are going to take a time, you know, moment to be like, hmm, things are complicated. Hmm, that's right, <laughs> uh, and especially you know how complicated human sexuality is. I mean, that's whew, you could do so many, you know, there's so many papers just about human sexuality. There's classes you should take a human sexually uh, sexuality course if you can at college.
0: Mm-hmm. By the way, yes, please um,
1: <laughs> do it. You'll learn a lot of things that you didn't know. I guess part of me recognizes that you know many of them just they just again they haven't gotten that chance to learn those those critical thinking skills uh you know that comes with experience and growing up so i I try i try to give them a little slack to 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 some extent um they're 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 kids in in some ways but you know there's there's this whole idea uh, of trying to fit in with you know a certain crowd and uh this came up recently because I'm glad I, I happened to be watching whatever the hell I was watching. Uh, there's a famous experiment, uh, the, uh, the Ash Conformity Experiment, um, which is a really good example of how all this works. It's basically studying how individuals yielded to or defied a majority group and the effect of such influences on beliefs and opinions. Um, so basically, even if someone truly believes that a, you know a very specific opinion or a thing A is thing A, uh, but, you know, the group is like, oh, no, it's, it's actually B. Uh, and that that first person is going to probably, you know, uh, statistically uh, are proven they will just, they'll change their opinion. They'll change their mind mm-hmm. just to fit in with that group. So they don't want to be singled out or, or pushed out of that, that group because that might be their only social interaction with anyone. So I personally think that this is, you know, one of the reasons why we're definitely seeing a rise in this this anti-behavior. You know, when you have groups of people that are literally attacking someone online or even doxing them, just for an opinion, you um, you don't want to be that one that's attacked. Yeah. So the best way to prevent that is to, you know, go with a crowd, um, even if you don't necessarily you know, agree with it. When you're already fighting for LGBTQ plus rights um, and equality, you know, and to be seen just like anybody else, uh you don't want to be associated with darker subjects that might fall under the dead dove umbrella cuz you'll see that you'll see it especially on twitter you know they'll they'll be like oh i i am this kind of person or i fall under this or i am you know whatever uh label they want to give them but at the same time they're attacking other people that are in the lgbtq umbrella mm-hmm. i guess it's cuz they don't they don't want to be seen as a quote unquote other or an outsider yeah um, yeah. you know, and even though heteronormative slash cis people, you know, they can get away with it in their fiction, which again, Western media, you know, you want to somehow make LGBTQ plus people above that, I think in some ways. So and there's some psychological part to it. It's like how they somehow have these virtuous, they only can think pure thoughts type of human. Mm-hmm. But again, you know what? You're human. You, your brain's going to do whatever your brain's going to do. Yeah. And it's hella complicated. But I think because there's so much, you know, they already get a lot of flack being part of the LGBTQ or in queer spaces, you know, they don't want more attention on them. So they're going to do whatever they can to take that attention away, even if it's negative.
0: So many great points, honestly. And honestly, just going through my mind, though. Um, When you said, like, why is it acceptable for, like, Saw to be on TV and, like, (laughs) Squid Game and all that, but not queer media is because people see, um, I'm talking specifically, like, enties, queer people, mostly enties are queer. It's because they see, like, people who might, like, make Saw and Georgia R. Martin and all the other, like, creators as being untouchable because they are usually people in power. They're usually from, like, cis white men, not Squid Game, but that's a whole different oh conversation (laughs) but like saw game of thrones people were upset but they did not attack though like the creators like they do for you know heroka fucker 69 on ao3 who made one problematic fanfic that has like 30 hits they're treated as being more of a menace and more of a problem than saw or Game of Thrones, which is being broadcast to millions of people. Like, oh, me reading my Bros. BL manga is apparently going to influence a bunch of vulnerable children to fuck their siblings. But Game of Thrones being broadcasted into the homes of millions of people isn't going to influence America to fuck their siblings, even though Jamie and Cersei are right there.
1: Cersei, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Like, even though it has incest, it's very important in the story.
0: <laughs> and it's the same thing as, you know, a girl who likes um, Bakugo and Deku, where she likes making fanfic of them if it's non-safe of work, even though they're, you know, anime 16 year olds, she's treated as being a a menace and she will be targeted and she will be harassed and she'll be dogpiled. But a guy can walk around with one of those like lolly waifu ahagao shirts at a convention. And the most that will happen to him is that he'll be bad mouthed on Twitter behind his back. And that's because punching down is a lot easier when you are a young queer person, because there's not a lot of people who are below you. And it just makes you feel more powerful that way. But that cis, heterosexual white guy with a lolly shirt, he's got more power than you. You know, you can't punch up to him. So you're just going to punch down. And it gives you that same feeling of like, oh, I'm I'm making a difference. I'm impacting this space that I'm in. Because for a lot of them, fandom is the real world. It's where everyone knows the correct pronouns. It's where everyone calls them the name they prefer. And they see this as being like their actual legitimate world. So when they're protecting Bakugo and Deku, um, from another queer person, they feel like they're actually doing something worthwhile, even if it means treating a real person like shit in favor of protecting lines on paper. And that's really upsetting. Um, and I really don't know what the solution of that would be. Um, Antis is just extremely online. So real people are only actual people to them when it's convenient. Like I've had my identity as a queer woman and as a black woman stripped from me by some sad pasty 15 year old white kid online simply because they don't like what I'm showing. And you're right, they they view queerness as needing to be pure. I'm not sure if that is in retaliation to queerness being painted as a degenerate thing inherently by straight people and they think therefore they need to hold us all to a, a much higher standard the straight people hold each other to standards um or if because they are so young they don't remember what it was like for us growing up people older than me and the queer people older than me queer black women older than me who had to deal with all of that hatred all of the negative stereotypes Like for a lot of them, their recent memory of like queer struggle is not being able to marry. And that hasn't been the case for a long time. They just don't understand the history of it. And and because they refuse to learn, they end up just recycling a lot of the old things that straight people used to do, which is, well, queer people, we will respect you more if you, you know, you didn't dress the way you do, you know, if all your men were, pants and all your women wear dresses as opposed to, you know, the weird freaky gender stuff you're doing. And the more I think about it, the sadder I get.
1: And yeah, I mean, and, and it's, you know, it also can stem to not just your sexuality, but gender too. I think your gender norms is another thing to consider. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, very frustrating, you know, and my only hope after all this is that, especially, you know, when you have a lot of the younger people that are, you know, doing this whole anti behavior, whatever, mm. um, I'm hoping that they do eventually grow out of it. And mm. I've seen that happen. I've seen people, you know, give it a few years, they make friends or they do something else, um, or they, you know, start figuring out who they are as a person. They kind of uh, get away from that that toxic mentality of attacking people online. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's all I can hope for is that, you know they grow from it and they don't continue that you know when they're 30 or 40 years old oh god help us (laughs) right Um, because i i believe in our youths i do i I believe in them but they gotta they gotta learn they gotta grow do good things
0: yeah if the children are our future i hope our future is a little bit brighter than it looks now i'll just say that
1: Nobody's going to understand you when you're trying to do, like, weird anti-behavior to an author online when you should be thinking about, like, taxes. Yeah.
0: Like, or buying your first house, which you may or may not be able to. Who knows? That's the one thing that I am always just like, okay, you got me there. Whenever anti eyes are like, just go do your taxes, grandma. I'm like, you know what? I yeah. probably should. <laughs> I probably should. Thanks this for the reminder. Turbo
1: tax, will do it for me. Because
0: I forgot about it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> um, thanks for the reminder.
0: So we're going to end this on a not-so-bleak note. What are some of your favorite Dead Dove or Darkfic titles in media?
1: Okay, so I have a few. Um, I would say one series that's considered very taboo uh, would be the Holocaust series by oh, Quill yeah. Carter. There's all kinds of things in that. It's it's really dark. There's cannibalism. It's pretty fucked up. So if that's your thing, I'm <laughs> Willing to take that plunge? Uh, check it out. Uh, if you have, or if you like feels with your taboo, which I am a fan of, I would check out uh, *The Boy Who Loved Wicked* by uh, C.P. Harris. It's not, you know, necessarily like it's not like Holocaust kind of levels of dark, dark fic or *Dead Dove*. It's its own. So, it's its unique thing. It's like what would be. It just deals with heavier things, mm. um, and and it does give you a lot of feels. You, I think most people that have read it end up crying, um, in some way or another. So there's that. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you're open to say, you know, visual novels, um, or if you've never tried one, uh, I would say definitely check out games from the company, uh, Nitro, uh, Chiral. Um, they did, uh, games like Dramatical Murder, uh, Tagaia Nono Chi, and almost all of their catalog would probably fall under Dead Dove. <laughs> But it's Dead Dove that's very high quality, and there are happy endings and really wholesome characters at the same time. Thick, dark Fick is a little bit harder because I think it's really just up to uh, what your preferred fandom is, and I know mine are going to be different from another person's. So, really, I would just say go on AO3 and just uh, search your favorite tags. All
0: right, I have three Rex um, one, MM Romance one BL and one that is just general because um, I I can never stick to the assignment even when I create said assignment um, so the first uh, I say Mm romance simply because it does take place between two men but it wouldn't be considered a romance really um, it's claustrophilia by Ezra Blake Oh uh, yeah, I think, yeah. love that one. Part of his Dark Triad series, it's so good. Like I, I love Stockholm Syndrome stuff, and I love just like I do too, right? And just cat <laughs> boy stuff. I love that shit. Sorry. Um. Uh, so yeah, it's uh three books long. Um. claustrophilia is the first one. Definitely check that out. Uh, I believe uh the author is also a prominent fic writer in the Hannibal. Uh, I was, okay. fandom.
1: All right. Cool. Because yeah. <laughs> I I have not watched Hannibal. Okay. So keep that in mind and. When I read the books, that's all I could think. I was like, this feels very very Hannibal-esque. What little I know about this series. And I'm glad that I'm not wrong. Okay. No, yeah, and definitely. I, I, I'm glad. It's still good. It's still great, you know, even if you yeah. don't know anything about the series. I loved it. So
0: Yeah, I never finished Hannibal, but even I was reading, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm getting those vibes there. So yeah. You can also I'm check out his... crazy. <laughs> you can also check out his uh Hannibal fiction when you're done with that. Or if you need like a little break between uh novels. Um, the it's BL... really
1: well done if it's if it's the same you know fanfic uh if they're writing the professional way i mean they're, their fanfic's got to be really quality because the books are good so yeah. if you're an animal person
0: books are so good that it actually got like um the fan binding treatment from aren't super heavy oh, yeah. I'm like, i
1: like nice.
0: i would kill for like a physical copy of claustrophilia anyway um the bl is uh more dead dove than dark uh it's I mentioned it already but I may be your big brother but I want you to be sweet on me by Antama and Hagi Fukura on Renta. Um, It is currently being serialized chapter by chapter. The 15th chapter I believe is next one to come out. It hasn't come out yet. I'm dying but It's really cute. It's about an older brother who looks very young, who works at a little brother cafe, uh, which is just really a front for older dudes (laughs) to go in there and, you know, oh, you're my little brother, right? Um, He has a fraught relationship with his real younger brother, who is much taller than him. And I, I really love that trope. Just tiny bottom big brothers and tall dommy toppy little brothers love that it's cute it's fluffy um there's some angst in there um but really it's mostly just a really nice read and there's been a lot of fucking the last few chapters so definitely nice and for my non-bl rec um this is more uh on the lesbian romance category though there is a um male female romance in it as well uh, it's manhunt by gretchen velker martin uh i got an arc of it because it does not come out until february 22 but It is so, so, so good. Um, It is dark fic without the erotica, um, but a whole lot of gore. Uh, It's set in a world where everyone with a high enough testosterone level has been transformed into a cannibalistic monster that just mindlessly rapes and kills. And there's two trans women um, who are our friends, and they're trekking this perilous world, um, killing these new men, is what they call them, and harvesting the estrogen from their balls um, in order to, you know, yeah, keep from um, t- transitioning into one this. of those. Yeah, it's so good, and they have to deal with <laughs> both these cannibalistic new men and also these roaming bands of turfs that also want to wipe them out. It is. So good, like I'm honestly blown away. You really should, if you like a bunch of action adventure and gore, um, you don't really mind, you know, there being like a little bit of romance, but romance not being the central feature. Definitely pre-order this book from Tor Nightfire. It is so good. And Felker Martin has also written a lot of other great dark fic. Um, there's one about a woman who is married off against her will and turns into a, a witch who fucks. <laughs> um, good old witch who as fucks. She's so, good. Right? As she slowly loses her mind um, and some nice little incest subtext thrown in there. It's, it's so good. Um, she's a good writer if you like transgressive fiction. So yeah, I encourage you to pre-order a copy of that. And yeah, that is it for I think our our Dead Dove talk for now. Oh, man. But I We could
1: probably do so many episodes on this. We,
0: we probably will. <laughs> Honestly, we probably will. This we will not be the last you've seen of us talking about Dead Dove content simply because, like, we like it, but there's also other people in our, our group who weren't able to make it today who also mm-hmm. really like it.
1: Thank you all for tuning into today's episode. And if you want to share your thoughts on Rio Ono's beautiful flowers of thorns, or If you have capital O opinions on dead dove topics that we discussed here, tag us at BLGardenDFW on Twitter and let us know how you feel. It's okay. We we like opinions, too, from you. We want to hear them. Um, And if you aren't already, uh, be sure to follow us on our social media at BLGardenDFW and at FujoCon everywhere uh, to stay up to date with the latest BL Garden and FujoCon news.
0: That's all for now. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll catch y'all later. Bye! Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the 801 Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out on our website at BealGardenDFW.com or check us out on Twitter at BealGardenDFW. If you love this podcast and are considering supporting us, find us on Patreon and you can get your name on the podcast like Barb Cold, Puck, Ray, Twiggly, Audrey G, carlyce Williams, Jacqueline Gonzalez, Joe Kiss, Anna, Christina Coleman, CJ, Crystal Marie, Dusty, imbo Snoodler, Kendra Lawrence, Marina Carlson, and Reader Wynn. In addition, please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you listen. We really appreciate every last one of you. And until next time, this is your host, Izora, signing out.